0: Christian fathers in the last days, Israel and Iran, five minutes to Armageddon? Will Israel's recent strikes on Damascus Airport set the stage for the prophesied destruction of Damascus? Well, this and much more as we take your calls on this open line edition of End of the Age. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. My name is Dave Robbins, and I'm with End Time Ministries, and I will be taking your calls today. The number to reach me, 1-877-363-8463. You may have that number memorized by now. Uh, We've been doing these open line sessions for... I don't know, man, way back since in the late 90s. And so I know a lot of you have been listening since then. So if you'd like to get on the, and ask a question, a prophecy question or something like that? Uh, give us a call. But before we go there, Sunday is Father's Day. I wanted to mention this before we go off into the weekend. And, and I want to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. But let me talk to you fathers for just a second. God's definition of a family, let's look at that. In looking at society as a whole and what's going on right now and in the end times and what we want our families to do, God's definition of a family is simply Genesis 1, through 28. And it, I will begin there, but the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over all the every creeping thing. Verse Genesis 127. So God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So we know from the very first chapter of the Bible, God created a male and God created a female. Now, God knew how to define a woman, right? Of course He did. He created them. And in verse 28, and the Bible says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Hey, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So God created a male, God created a female, and then said, Hey, you guys go have kids. That's God's definition of a family. Now, that's pretty simple, wasn't it? God defines marriage... Genesis 2, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So this is God's family. A male, a female, they get married, they start having kids, they have grandkids, they have great-grandkids, and that's how we got to where we're at today. But from the very beginning, and we can see this in our society even today, 6,000 years later, the enemy, Satan, the enemy of our soul, the enemy of humanity, and the enemy of God has tried to destroy what God created all the way back from the very beginning. He's tried to take the fathers out of the home. He's tried to make it so that two men or two women can think that they're a normal family he's tried to to get men to think that they can become women, women to think that they can become men. So you can see when you get off of God's perfect plan of one man, one woman and children, when you get off of that perfect plan, you can see the chaos that will ensue in a society when you 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 really you're breaking down God's perfect arrangement. It becomes violated. And so, let me bring it up to today because Second Timothy 3, 1 through 3 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And then it says this in the very first part of verse 3. Without natural affection. So, Natural affection, according to God, a father, a wife, kids, you've got the family. But it was prophesied that in the last days, people would be without natural affections. Fathers leaving homes, fathers leaving children, the wife. And it is rampant in our society today. Well, Fox News published an article and I read it and I thought, man, I've got to share this with everybody. America's crisis, one of them, but America's crisis is a lack of fathers. Father's Day, obviously this weekend, but as we celebrate, we must not forget the millions of children who are growing up without a dad in the home. As our country commemorates Father's Day this weekend, it's important that we recognize the millions of children throughout our nation who are growing up Without their fathers, data from the United States Census Bureau shows that nearly nearly uh, or that eighteen point four million children or one in four are live without a biological a step or an adoptive father in the home, which has in return led the United States to claiming the title of the world's leader in fatherless children. Now think about that. We're we're probably the most, if, uh, if not one of the most, developed nations on the planet, but we lead the world in the fatherless category? Wow. That's enough children that are living without a father to fill New York City twice and Los Angeles four times over. And we know that fatherhood is essential to the development of our children and the increased involvement of fathers in the home leads to better results on a wide variety of outcomes. For economic prosperity, increased academic performance, to uh, improved social mobility, fathers in their respective homes continue to be a key indicator of success for all children across racial, ethnic, socioeconomic groups. Now remember... God told us this all the way back in the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis means beginning. The first book of the Bible, all the way in the first and second chapter, God defined all of this. But there's an enemy that has messed it up through the years and really has taken us off of God's perfect plan in many ways. So there is little doubt that America has experienced an unprecedented fatherless crisis And these are staggering statistics. And they've not only destroyed the nuclear family, but devastated communities across the nation. 85% of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Over 70% of all adolescent patients in drug and alcohol treatment centers originate from homes without fathers. Fathers, we've got to get back and stay with, our, stay with your family. Does things get a little rough? Sure. But stick it out because that's God's plan.
1: Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with
2: hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible
1: prophecy. Go to intime.com future or call 800-IN-TIME. That's 800-363-8463.
3: Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
0: So, again, I will be taking your calls today. I've got some calls on the line, but I do have a few lines open. Number to reach me, 1-877-363-8463. I'll go to the phones in just a moment. Uh, Maurice, if you'll just hold on for a second, and the rest of you. But, as Americans, I want to make sure that we don't forget this, because this is a very critical need in America. And the Bible says, in the last days there would be those that would not have natural affection. I know personally about this. My dad left me and my brother and my mom when I was six years old. Basically left us out in the street. And so I, I come from a broken home. Most of my friends, most of the guys I grew up around, I'm saying an overwhelming majority of us came from broken homes, no dad in the home. And so I know what it can do to you for throughout the rest of your life. And when you have a family and when you have children and how you treat them and just now not everybody, but I'm saying it, it, it affected me. I didn't really know how to treat a wife. I didn't know how to treat my kids like a normal, loving father because I never had that. And so it was a unique situation growing up. And then when I became a father and a dad and things... Now, thankfully, I will tell you that I was raised in Irvin Baxter's Church. He helped me, but he really, until I got married into his, to his youngest daughter... He really started to help me out and, and show me how to be a really good, God-fearing dad. But it still took a while. And if you don't have somebody like that in your life, ask God to help you. I mean, just, uh, you know, just stick it out because I'm telling you, that's God's plan. It, will it get rough at times? Sure. Every marriage has experienced that. But that don't mean you cut and run. You stick with it because if, if everybody would do that, and we would just say, hey, we're going to make this work. We're going to trust God. We're going to serve God. I'm going to teach the kids uh, to love God and to serve Him. And the right way to go, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that it should go. It won't depart from it. If every dad was doing that in every family as the priest of their home and the spiritual leader of their home and leading their family into prayer every night and things like that, you say, that, that's totally foreign to me. Why? Why? That's, how, that's what a father is supposed to do. And so, I, I just wanted to say, before we go into Father's Day weekend, that as Americans across the country, as we prepare to give to the, the millions of hardworking fathers that are out there, let us not leave behind the forgotten men and women and children who do not celebrate alongside us. I have a dad somewhere. I think he's still alive in the earth. I don't have a clue where he's at. I don't even know if he's still alive. He, I, I've only seen him a handful of times since I was six years old. But, and my father-in-law has passed on. And so for those of us who are just kind of left without here, the success of our nation really depends on four central tenets. Faith your faith in God, your walk with God, family, the free market, and education. Think about that. That's America, the American dream, but it's the faith and family beyond that. And to all the God-fearing fathers throughout America, I would ask you, look beyond your own homes and make intentional efforts to really to help others. If you've got a, your family set, and I, I I would encourage you to maybe try to coach or mentor or support the fatherless children in your communities. Your next door neighbor, you know that the mom's trying to raise the kids. Say, hey, is it you know? Can I take them fishing? Could I do you know? Just there's something about having a male figure in a child's life. God made it that you would have a male and a female in a home. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't have that. I, I, I totally understand that. But if you, if you can have that, and I, I would encourage you, you say, Dave, you've never had problems in your marriage. Oh, yes, I have. I certainly have. And I'll just be transparent with you. Uh, I know this is Open Line Friday, but I've got one caller, and, I'm, and again, and I'm going to get to you, uh, Maurice, just a second. I, I apologize, but I, need, I, I feel like I need to say this. Uh, me and my wife, I, was, I, I, I married Irvin Baxter's youngest daughter, Jana. We had problems in our marriage. I was not the, I'll be honest with you, I know what the problem was. I, Dave Robbins, was not the spiritual leader I should have been. I wasn't serving God like I should have, and, and I didn't, I, for years, I never knew how to treat a woman. And so we had problems in our marriage, and we ended up separating because she couldn't live with me because I was a heathen. I wasn't doing right. I wasn't fulfilling my role in the home, and I recognize that, and I take responsibility for that. We were separated for two years before I came to end time. Prior to that, we were uh, separated for two years. My father-in-law went on a. Fa- Irvin Baxter went on a fast and prayed and fasted and the church prayed and fasted him and God miraculously I'm saying miraculously brought us back together and we have a we have the best marriage now it's wonderful but I was dumb I did some stupid things and almost lost the best thing that God ever gave me besides the Holy Ghost is my wonderful wife she's almost Perfect. But I almost lost it. And fi- miraculously, God brought us back together. And we have a wonderful marriage today. Guys, stick it out. Stick with it. Your, your wife and your children need you. Our society needs good fathers in the home training up the child in the way that it should go. So, Wow. Yes, I went there today, folks, because it's Father's Day and, and I want to you know, say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there and doing the best you can. But I would encourage those of you that maybe don't have, that you know somebody who doesn't have a, a child that doesn't have a father in the home, try to help them out as well because uh, it's, it's, it's biblical and in these times, just ahead, we're going to need good fathers in the home. We're going to need strong godly men leading their families. I wish I knew back then what I know now. I would have been a totally different man. And I know there are, there are men that have came out of fatherless homes that are good men today. I know that. You don't have to say, well, my dad was a uh, left us and, and was a bum, so I'm going to be a bum. No, no, no. There's no excuse. I look back on my life, and I could have been a better man. But I want to just make sure that um you know that you sh- stick with it stick with it stick with it and that's god's plan and i'm thankful and i, I do want to wish you a happy father's day again so wow uh okay maurice in texas god bless maurice welcome to end of the age yes sir hello mr
2: robert uh robbins yes uh, nice to be you nice to talk to you uh yeah happy father's day by the way um Thank you. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I don't know who else that was for, but uh, I can say for sure, I know that was for me, the, that testimony. Um, yes. I'm actually going on a date with one of my pastor's uh, good friends, pastor's wife's good friends, and yeah, a little bit nervous. I uh, kind of have the back, same background you were speaking of, so uh, yeah. you know, kind of feeling a little bit, maybe not good enough, but that that was encouraging, definitely. So I thank you for that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Um, sir, okay. So I, I was the, my question today was in Daniel chapter seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to minimize it. I have like four of them, but I'm I'm gonna minimize it out of respect for the other people. <laughs> okay, um, I appreciate that. I'm sorry. Oh yes, sir. No problem. Um, is do is there a possibility that uh, in Daniel chapter seven are are they? I think now is Russia. Are they trying to conquer allies that are connected to? the old Holy Roman Empire countries, is that possible that Ukraine could be an ally of Poland and they're trying to conquer them because of maybe their anti-Holy Roman Empire new government? Am I reading into that correctly or is that... Right. Do you know? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: no. So I I, I think I got your question. The thing is, you have to understand, Maurice, is that the old Holy Roman Empire, the old Holy Roman Empire in Daniel chapter 2 that was mentioned, the, the feet of iron mingle with clay in those world empires in the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, that is not, Daniel 7 is not a mirror image of that. I know a lot of people teach that, and I, I don't know if you know that or not, but the, when it comes all the way down the five different empires, Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, the Grecians, the iron, the iron symbolizing the Roman Empire, and then the feet of iron mingled with clay, the holy Roman Empire, that's the only one that's mentioned in Daniel 7. When you come to Daniel 7, so those were empires that ruled the world during their known era in Nebuchadnezzar's vision. When you come to Daniel 7, Daniel 7 was prophesying about nations that would be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So there's a big difference there. The only one that's carried over is the beast with ten horns, which is symbolic of the reborn Holy Roman Empire and the ten nations that will come up and form an alliance with the Antichrist right there at the very end. So, it, it's, it's not necessarily prophesying about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and the Holy Roman Empire at this point. Um, because in the end time, when you jump from Daniel 7 over to Revelation 13, Revelation 13, 1 and 2, it gives a depiction of the world-governing beast, had the body of the leopard, the feet of the bear, mouth of the lion, the ten horns of the 10 horn kingdom. So we know Russia and Europe will be in complete alliance with each other in the end time. Right now, it doesn't look like that. Right now, it looks like, if you just read the news, World War III, that Ukraine is trying to become a member of the, the uh, European Union, and man, that if they do, European Union will be bound to um, obviously support them militarily, and that would be a mess. So, I, I hope that's answering your question. I don't see what happened in Daniel 7, those uh, nations there, as being Russia against them. Daniel is simply giving a vision that he saw of beasts that symbolized modern nations and the rulers of those nations, and that they would be in earth and in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's not talking about the Ukrainian war or even a future war. Because in Revelation 13... They're all one big combo, federalized, world-governing body. They're all working together at that point. Um, so I, I don't think it's referring to the Ukrainian war is what I'm saying uh, in a nutshell. Okay. Yep.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, thank you,
0: sir. All right, Maurice, will you have a good day, and uh, God bless you, my friend. Good luck on thank your sir. date.
2: <laughs> Thanks, sir. All Thanks. right. You too.
0: Let's go to um, Michael in New Mexico. God bless, Michael. Welcome to End of the Age. Uh, thank you, Dave,
4: for uh, answering my uh, my call. I appreciate that. Um, yes, sir. It's
0: my first call
4: um, to your program. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and um, my question to you, and then I'll just uh, hang up and listen to your mm-hmm. answer, is uh, at the end of Daniel 12, 12, yes. blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. If you could just expound on that for me, I'd appreciate it.
0: Okay. So, well, thank you for the call. And uh, the, the thing is, is in Daniel 12, it, Daniel's right there at the end of his writings. This is the last chapter in the book of Daniel. And it ta- in the beginning of the chapter 12, it talks about the great tribulation. And then the, um, Daniel goes on down through that. I won't go through the whole thing, but Daniel finally asks, how long to the end of these wonders? Time, times, and half a time. And uh, so he's talking about the culmination of everything. He asked the Lord, tell me, what are these visions and dreams? What does all this mean? And the Lord said, nope, Daniel, you're going to sleep with your brethren. Close up and seal this book for the time of the end. Well, then he comes right down here to the very end. And he says, and from the time the daily sacrifice... Now, this is verse 11. From the time the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, the abomination uh, uh, that make a desolate is set up. There shall be 1,290 days... Then verse 12, blessed is he that watcheth and and, uh, "and cometh to the 1,335th day. So there are many places in the Bible where it refers to the time of the tribulation as 1,260 days or three and a half years. Well, when you get to these scriptures here, it's talking about from the time the daily sacrifice is taken away, which happens when the abomination of desolation occurs, when the Antichrist stands in a rebuilt Jewish temple, claims to be God. He causes the sacrifices to cease. And then the Bible says, hey, there's going to be 1,260 days. Well, right here, it adds some additional days to that. It says to 1,290 days. And then it says, blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the the 1,335th day. Now, I can tell you (coughs) that we do not claim to know conclusively what this means. I know, I've talked to some people, some friends of mine, that say you have to, uh, you know, reverse engineer this thing and that that's when the sacrifice and everything would be taken away and everything ends at the 1260 days. There are others that believe, which is what I would tend to believe, is that this is referring to the time of, that the Battle of Armageddon would, would, would occur. After the, immediately after the tribulation of those days, then the Battle of Armageddon occurs, the wrath of God is poured out, We know that because the first vial of the wrath of God is poured out on those who receive the mark of the beast during the tribulation. So it's right there at the very end, just afterwards. And it gives these extra days, 1290 days and then 1335 days. So um, it's probably, in, in our opinion... The, the wrath of God's being poured out, and the battle of Armageddon, uh, that maybe it'll take that many days to, to occur. At this point, I cannot give you a conclusive answer on that. I wish I could. My father-in-law could never figure it out conclusively, and neither have I been able to. So uh, I do apologize for that.
1: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty?
0: Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm going to go straight to the phones. i got a full bank of callers. So let's go to Jules in Washington. God bless, Jules. Welcome to End of the Age. Hello. uh, Can you hear me? Yes, I can, sir. Uh,
6: Yeah, this is Jules from Washington State. Uh, I know that we serve the God of perfection. Everything, he goes through detail with human beings, with the earth, with the heavens. My question to you is the Dark Ages. Since Jesus died, or 76 a.D the temple destroyed Yes and it takes like 2,000 years till now. Do you know if the Bible did mention anything about the Dark ages? It takes 2,000 years to get to the end times approximately if everything goes to happen?
0: Yeah, uh, I certainly do. if so just to bring everybody in on the conversation very quickly, we had the Jesus comes to the earth. He chooses 12 disciples. He pours into them and He sets them up so when He leaves, they can carry out their ministries full of the Holy Ghost, witnessing in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, and they establish churches all over the place. You understand the New Testament. I'm going to go through this very quick. So the Apostle Paul prophesied and said, When we go off the scene, when the Apostles go off the scene, grievous wolves will come in among you, even among the church, and steal these truths away. That's exactly what happened. After the apostles went off the scene and um, because of the lack of good Bible preaching um, men of God and because of the lack of the word of God to the common man, because Bibles were handwritten at that point, we went off into what's called the dark ages. The lack of the true word of God and the preaching of the true word of God. And then um, that lasted all the way until the Reformation and a little beyond that. What happened is different churches started hemorrhaging off of the Catholic Church at the Reformation fifteen seventeen, and we came into what's called the Age of Enlightenment, where somebody would say, well, the Catholic Church does this, but the Bible says this, so we're going to break off and start our own thing. And then you might start the Lutheran movement. Then the Episcopalians and the the Nazarenes and and the, the Methodists and everybody all down through there. Well, then we come to the late 1800s, early 1900s, and we come. We're coming back into the Age of Enlightenment. the 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 initial the Holy Ghost outpouring in the early the Azusa Street revivals in Topeka, Kansas, Houston. It moved to Azusa Street. People come from all over the world to receive that initial experience. And now we're come. We're you know we're coming back into where the apostles were. The Age of Enlightenment here. Okay, now that's a. I could go into a lot more detail, but that's the overall spectrum here. The Scripture says that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that verse 1 through 3, Let no men, or, um, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto, unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Verse 3 says this, Jules, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. The falling away that it's talking about here is the apostasia of people away from the original truths that the apostles taught. And it's not a future event. It's already happened. The Dark Ages was this falling away here uh, that was prophesied about by the Apostle Paul. When we go off the scene, grievous wolves will steal this truth away from you. Now we're coming back into the age of enlightenment, and the Bible says, of course, God said in the last days, "I will pour out my spirit on all flesh." That's happening now, and uh, the greatest time of revival the world's ever seen is ahead of us now, during the great tribulation. So, in Scripture, that's where it's referring to the dark ages, the falling away. The Apostle Paul talked about when grievous wolves would come in, and in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one through three. But uh,
6: the Bible does not say anything about. It will take 2,000 years, am I right? It's just based upon our calculation, thinking about God created uh, uh, mankind six days, and then the seventh day God, God rested. Therefore, our conclusion would be this is the end of time, looking back to 4,000
0: BC to right now, 2000, the year of 2000. Am I right? I'm not sure. Right, so it's not just our conclusion. This is where history, prophecy, the Word of God takes away the conclusion, because the Bible says that there were many, there were hundreds of messianic. Well, there was just over a hundred messianic prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ came, He fulfilled all of them. So it let us know, hey, here's a here is a um, a place where we can put a stake in the sand and say that these messianic prophecies have occurred. Now we know we're about 2,000 years from that because we know he's just about to come back, and we know that from the prophecies of the Bible. So the prophecies help us lay out a timeline here to know kind of where we're at, and plus history. Because we know that in 70 A.D., historically, Jerusalem was destroyed, and the Jews were scattered all over the earth by uh, by the Roman armies, uh, General Titus. So historically, prophetically, that was prophesied in Daniel 9 that that would occur. Um, so it gives us t- the, the prophecies and history. A lot of things let us know where we're at on this timeline. It's not just a figment of somebody's imagination. Okay. All right. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate All right, it. Jules. Thank you for the call. God bless you, my friend. Let's go to um, Jeff in Texas. God bless Jeff. Welcome to End of the Age.
4: Hey Dave, how you doing? I'm doing tremendous. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed. Hey, I'm the, I met you at the uh, Kaufman Conference.
0: Uh, yeah, with
4: Brother Moore, I sit on the front yeah, row there. Absolutely. Hey man, I just want to give you a, a testimony. I'm basically I make my income from being a house painter, and I make about three or four thousand dollars every time I go out and paint a house. I never really get the big jobs, and I went to that conference and I was believing God to give a certain amount, and I gave that certain amount. I came back in, and the Lord blessed me with a house job that paid me $31,500. <laughs>
0: My goodness. Well, you need you need to give well, some more to end time then.
4: <laughs> hey, I'm picking to, I'm, I'm to double down and keep going to that little fishing hole. <laughs> Come
0: on. Come on. That but fishing I, hole will I, never run dry either. I promise hey, you.
4: Brother, I, I appreciate your ministry. And just to you know, tell everybody in your audience, I did get a chance in my lifetime to go to Oral Roberts University. And while I was there, the whole time I was there, I had the uh, number one little preaching program on their radio program. My show was called The Half Hour of Power.
7: Yeah,
0: and
4: I have been in audiences with thousands. The biggest one was 22,000 people. Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell your audience right now, best conference i ever been to was your conference in Kaufman because oh. it just resonates with your spirit, the stuff that you're teaching.
0: Yes, sir. And uh, it,
4: it was one of the best things I've ever seen. If anybody out there gets a chance to go to one of Dave's conferences, man, get there, go there, get you on a plane, train, whatever, <laughs> get there. Well, but anyway, I just want to tell you, that was a heck of a testimony. I was believing God, and uh, yeah. the Lord bless, and I just appreciate it, appreciate your ministry. And I enjoy your testimony uh, that you were doing a while ago uh, yes, earlier. I kind of had the same kind of background. Yeah. Never knew my dad, but my dad had two children, those two children sought me out later in life. And now I'm I'm connected with them on Facebook. Wow. And the guy named his second son, Jeff. So I have a brother named Jeff. Wow.
0: <laughs> and
4: I got and I got <laughs> to witness to him telling him about Jesus. But anyway, I just want to say I appreciate your ministry and appreciate everything you guys are doing.
0: Thank you, and, Jeff. Um, and uh, God bless you. Have a great day. God bless you, my friend. You you do the same. And uh, I will tell everybody, if you do have a chance to get to one of our conferences, um, I would encourage you to come out. God moves. You, it's, it's just a great time. But I will say, uh, thank you, Jeff, for the compliment. But I would say a better conference than that was one that Irvin Baxter had. He was such a great teacher and preacher, and he, he, he taught me. I, I, all of this stuff that I know come from Irvin Baxter, and so that's why that's the anointing that you feel uh, from God is the reason and god's the God's the author of all of this, and so you're feeling the anointing and that may be a little different from anything you've ever experienced okay uh thank you, my friend. Let's go to Pam in it looks like Indiana. God bless Pam welcome to the I am in Iowa Iowa okay, sorry yeah. about that
5: and I'm excited i I was listening to you. I went to your conference in Nashville, and Irving was teaching, and I think I went to every breakout group he had right <laughs> It was awesome. But the, the question I was uh, calling about, because you're mentioning Father's Day, yeah. was that there are a lot of single mothers and fathers that are attending various churches, and I think it's better now they can get uh, mentors for their children. But I know when I was raising my son, it was really hard, because yeah. married couples are insecure about spouses working with a single-person yeah. child. And so what—I reco- mean, I, I know it's kind of— grabbing you off guard, but what would you recommend for people like that? I know it was hard for me. My son was just, um, he and I struggled because we couldn't find anybody to mentor him. Yeah. And they have big brother and big sister nowadays, but they're not necessarily on a Christian foundation. I did really good with my son. He he grew up and he has family devotions and he's doing good, but I think he he really wanted a male influence and that was really hard to find.
0: Yes. One of the things that helped me growing up uh, and really kept me kind of on the straight and narrow. Now, I did some goofy things growing up, but one of the things that kind of kept me in the right direction was I had a youth leader. in our, I was raised in Irving Baxter Church. We had a group of the, of the young people in the church. With, when you were 12 years old until you were in your early 20s, it was called Youthquake. And the we had a youth leader. Uh, he, he, he was a very... A very big guy, he was very masculine, and man, us guys loved him. When we got together, we would play softball on Saturday nights, we would go di- uh, we go out to eat, and then we would come back mm-hmm. to the church and have a service. We, we might play basketball, we might wrestle, we might, we might box. I mean, we did all kinds of stuff, but it was manly type stuff. And I loved this guy. He was very influential in my life and really kept me on from getting way off track And so I would encourage you, a lot of churches have good youth groups and different things where it's it is it can be very influential in a young man's life who's just, if you leave them with no male influence, man, they're just searching. It's just, hey, I'll do whatever I want at that point because a lot of young guys, when they get in their teens, they can overrule their mom, and it's just, I'll do what I want at that point. But I would encourage you. Uh, or anybody out there, get your child involved in a good youth group, maybe at a church, that can lead that uh, child into the things of God. Because at the end of the day, uh, yes, we do need to be a good father and to our families and things like that, but really it begins with your faith. And mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's very, very important um, that we you know, get kids involved in those kind of things. So uh, I do thank I you for the call. Co- oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
5: I appreciate that because I ended up <clears throat> sending my son to Christian camp every summer.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And there, Camps said, and things got those a really are good great.
5: Input from the minister, and I just wanted to add too that raising a child single, I I tell parents now look in the proverbs like thirteen twenty four and, and nineteen eighteen. It tells you how to raise your son, and mothers need to go ahead and spank them and discipline them oh. because if you don't get it early, they they are gonna you know yeah. ignore you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, my mom honestly. When we, me and my brother got so big, my mom tried to spank us. But when your kid's bigger (laughs) than you, that's you know, we. I could honestly. I just made my mom start laughing. She couldn't help. She couldn't spank us after that. So anyway, uh, she just you know.
5: But I want to say thank you, and (laughs) I hope you have a wonderful Father's Day.
0: Thank you, ma'am, and and God bless you uh, from Pam from Iowa. Thank you. Bless you. Let's go to um, Tony in Texas. God bless Tony. Welcome to End of the Age. Hey, Dave. How you doing, my friend? I I tell you what, Tony, sorry about that. If you can hold over the break, I'll bring you on. I've I've lost track of time here. Um, Can you hold over the break? Yeah. Okay, good. Let's do that, and then we'll pick up from there. I do again. I want to say to all the fathers out there, man, happy Father's Day, you guys. Thank you for sticking with your families, hanging in there because the, even though the times get rough, you can you can make it through all that.
7: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-IN-TIME to give today or go to intime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner.
0: Okay, welcome back, everybody. Tony, I apologize for that, man. I run you right up to a break there, but uh, go ahead, my friend. No worries.
8: Okay, so I have a few questions. Um, I know that... Uh you know that you mentioned that the united states is um in the book of revelations and the united states is the eagle's wing that um i guess that rescues the the children uh, i guess the children israel of israel yes. the, the, the jewish people okay. but uh, i guess one one question that i have is um, is there any other references of of that? Because you know, and the reason why I, I, I ask is just because I know there's like a lot of different references in the Bible uh-huh. that, and one in particular in the book of Exodus where it it actually says almost the, the exact same thing yeah. um, regarding the eagle's wings. You know, basically heaping on eagle's wings and. And, uh, and flying it to safety, it's pretty much almost the same. Mm-hmm. So could that that so my first question is, so could that also just uh, be me- mentioning that, that God is going to save Israel, not necessarily in the United States? Yeah. And then my other question is, let l- l- me answer
0: that one, Tony. Sure. And sure. that way, because normally what I'll have to do is say, uh, can you repeat the second one? So, the <laughs> okay. um, when I understand in Exodus, the Bible says that He will bring them out on eagle's wings. However, when you move off into end time Bible prophecy the references to the eagle are the United States. Daniel 7 and Revelation chapter 12, the United Mm -hmm. States is, in Revelation 12, the United States is helping Israel. So in my opinion, and in my father-in-law's opinion, I mean, obviously I'm teaching what he taught, because we're not mentioned in the world governing body. What happened to the eagle's wings? They were mentioned as coming out of Great Britain. Here's the difference, Tony. The eagle's wings that was the, uh, the Lord was referring to back in the time of Egypt was God bringing them out of Egyptian bondage. But when you look right. in Daniel chapter 7, the eagle's wings came out of the modern day nation of Great Britain. And it, it's the United States. What's, what's our mother country? Great Britain. So there's a total, everything transitions from God bringing Israel out to the modern day nation of the United States mentioned in the Bible. And then it's not mentioned in the world governing body. What happened to the eagle's wings? Why did he even mention them in Daniel 7? Because he's going to show us who is protecting Israel in the end time, and that is the United States protecting Israel. And it's, we've seen it play out. We have protected Israel against the world government and their anti-Semitic resolutions over 40 times since the late 70s, and that's exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. During this last end time period, the Eagles' wings, the United States, will be protecting Israel against the world governing body, possibly by our U- our UN Security Council veto power and militarily, because now Israel is under the Middle East CENTCOM Central Command of the United States. So mm-hmm. that's the way I see things playing out, Tony.
8: Okay. Yep. Okay. okay. Thank you. Number then, two. Then my other yeah. You know, then my other just last quick two questions is on, I know another one is that you uh, mentioned that you don't feel that the United States is going to. Um, be really fully under the power control of the Antichrist, right? But so my other question is regarding that is uh, regarding persecution. Just because um, I think it's kind of hard for me to, I guess, understand and, and, and grasp that United States isn't going to be under any physical persecution. Just yeah. because uh, all of the apostles in the Bible have gone through persecution. There's other countries that are that can't even whisper the name of Jesus without being um, sure. You know, running the risk of, be, of being killed. So yes. it's hard for me to got a graph that the United States is going to escape, that, especially when there there's a one-world church. And so yeah, exactly. and you see a lot of the non-denominational churches and things like that. Um, I'm not going to name names, yeah, was, yeah. but like the, a really big prominent one, one in particular in Houston uh, that, that was on CNN said that um, that Jesus Christ is no longer the only way to heaven. Yeah. So And there's a lot of things like that. So the way that I look at it is that there's a one-world church that uh, a lot of the folks here in you know, the United States is going to be a part of because the the the, the beast or, the, or the, the 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 harlot that rides on the beast is the One World Church, and then the Book of Revelations that talks about God gives a warning that tells His people to come out of that. So yeah. it makes me wonder. Uh, so, so who's the people? Um, then yeah. my last question is. Um, so get, like, let me answer that. Beast. Let me
0: answer that one. Sure. And <laughs> yeah. the, la- the last the okay. last question you're going to have to make it very very short because okay. sure. I got sure. a full will. bank of callers here. So the the thing is, is that my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, nor have I ever said the United States would never experience any persecution. I I don't believe that. Like you said, because of the world religious system, the world religious system is going to be one of the things that aids in the persecution, you understand. Mm -hmm. So even though we may not be fully engaged with the world government, there are a lot of churches here and that's why I say, don't ever get caught up in this world religious system because right. you are going to have to carry out their edicts in the end time. So I, I believe that persecution could happen here in the United States. However, when it comes to the world governing body like the Mark of the Beast, I don't believe we're going to be fully engaged in the world government and that will become mm-hmm. the law of the land here. But that does not mean we could not suffer any persecution.
8: Okay, so, so even with the market of beasts with the, with a company that makes a chip that got FDA approved, that's here in the United States, that are, yeah. you know, that, you know, so, so you still don't believe that we're going to be involved with the market of beasts even no. though no, no, because of there are
0: there it. are states that already yeah. have laws on the books that an employer cannot mandate that their employees have a chip put in their hand. So I, yeah. if you understand what's happening to America right now, America is segregating not on the lines of race, but on the yeah. lines of conservative liberal liberal. we're already we're separating a florida a texas why do you think everybody's leaving california and new york and coming to texas we've got a thousand people a day coming to texas Mm -hmm. because they realize it could get a little sticky in the near future and they want to be in a state where a government a governor and different people have a certain mindset that's why they're flooding these southern states like this what's your last question really quick tony well, no, well that, was actually, so that was actually it. Okay, <laughs> very good. I, I hate to do this to you. I'm going to have to let you go. Okay. I've got a, I've got 10 minutes left, and i got a full bank of callers here. So, Okay, go, I appreciate you, Dave. Uh, God <laughs> bless, you. my friend. I'm happy to talk to you. You have a great weekend. Let's go to Trey in Texas. God bless, Trey. Welcome to End of the Age.
2: Yes, I want to say a happy Father's Day to you. Vince Thank you. And, Thank and you. Doug. And I just want to say I, I'm so optimistic about this country. Even though we're going through the economic uh, challenges of the Dow and the Thought market going down and the secularization of society and all this pride and all that but as a Christian I, I can, you know <clears throat> I get kind of heartbroken but then when I see men like you uh in reference to Father's Day, there's wonderful Christian women as well but you know in honor of father's Day I say i'm very optimistic about Amen. this country yes and uh, I, was, I I do have a quick question uh it's my firm belief that the that the Palestinians are the descendants of the Philistines. And they come from the land of Canaan. And I was wanting to know your perspective on that. And again, have a wonderful weekend. I appreciate listening to, to your program. It's, it's just very inspiring. And thank you again.
0: Yeah. So you, give me. So Trey, well, give me just a second here. So you're saying you're asking if the today's Palestinians were the same thing as the original Philistines? Is that your question? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, I, I,
2: I believe that they are the descendants from my reading of the Bible. I might be wrong.
0: Yeah. So there is a difference of opinion on that. Uh, My father-in-law believed that they were because Yasser Arafat claimed to be a Palestinian. They're from the region where the Palestinians were from, or I'm sorry, the Philistines um, down in Gath and in Gaza and down in that region. And so my father-in-law believed that they could have been descendants from them. However, when we... Now, this is a difference of opinion. When we went to the to Israel, I asked our guides: Is are the are the Palestinians the original Philistines? Would have given which would have given them kind of some kind of lease to the land there. And they, the guides were like, "Oh no, absolutely not. There are no you know no way shape or form. I don't care what or Arafat said; they weren't." So at this point, at, from the research I have done. I don't know, I cannot give you a conclusive answer on that. All I know is today's geopolitical situation and what will happen in the near future. I tend to believe, because I found a few articles where people said, hey, the, the Palestinians are the original Philistines. However, I, I don't know if I conclusively could conclusively answer that question. My father-in-law, it was his opinion that they were but um, not much documentation for that. He g- would give his opinion. Uh, at this point, I don't know if we could answer that conclusively. If you ask the guides in Israel, the guide we have in Israel, we've had him for years. He is an archaeologist. He's taught in colleges all over the world. He's an ex-Navy SEAL for the, I- the Israeli Defense Forces. Still in the military. And he says absolutely no. I mean, there's a flat no. Now... Um, So that's kind of where we're at. I I don't know if we could conclusively answer that at this point. I've read articles to both sides. That's what I'm saying. Uh, In the research, I've said some people say they are and some say they're not. And so all I do, Trey, is to try to look at the ones that are happening, the geopolitical situation happening right now and things that I can prove. And at this point, I've got to tell you, I simply do not know.
2: Okay, well, thank you for your honesty. So, All right, anyway, Trey. Have a great weekend. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you much. God bless you, my friend. Let's go to Betsy in Louisiana. God bless Betsy. Welcome to End of the Age.
9: Hello, Pastor Dave. Um, the 1,335th day, yep. I think it might be when Zechariah describes that they see the nail scars in the Messiah's hand and realize that Jesus Christ is their Messiah.
0: Yeah, no, what so that could very well be. Uh, because I know that that's right here, right there at the very end, when the Lord comes, plants His feet on the Mount of Olives. That's at the culmination of the Battle of Armageddon. So I think what you're saying absolutely could be the case. Again, <laughs> I can only give yeah. you my opinion because we do not claim to know. I mean, of all the prophecies, I can I can probably teach you, give a conclusive answer to way up in the ninety-eight percentile, maybe ninety-eight and a half. But there's a few that I simply I can give you a really good opinion, but at the end, I have to say I simply don't know what you're saying could absolutely be the case. I'm not negating that, but because it all fits, but um for me to say yes, let me prove it using these scriptures, I can't do that and so um that's you know all I can do. I know what the timeline looks like, and I know how things are going to happen, but this thirty this um I'll tell you that the thirteen hundred and thirty five days this prophecy in Daniel 12, 12, and 13, and the 2300 days in in Daniel chapter 8. I don't know what that is either. We never could conclusively figure that out. My father-in-law taught a Daniel commentary years ago. And at the end of all that, in Daniel 8, he went down through everything, which I could teach you. But when we come to that 2300 days, I would have to tell you, I simply do not know. It's almost like it doesn't fit. But somehow or another, it's in the Bible, and we're going to go with what the Bible says. I'm telling you, I don't know. So, uh, But what you're saying here absolutely does fit the timeline, and you absolutely could be correct.
9: Okay, the one hour of one day of one month of one year. Yes. I believe that World War III, we're already in it, uh-huh. but that the hour of that day, month, and year is the last battle where he puts down one world government because in genesis six they had one language and there was nothing that they couldn't do right and now we have one language english that there's nothing we can do again can't do again so i believe that jesus puts them out for the last time so it's the battle in the age-old war of god not wanting one world government till he comes in and is the head of the one world government
0: Ah, correct so the 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 battle really quick here because I got like less than a minute. But the battle you were, the battle you're referring to is Revelation nine thirteen through sixteen, the Sixth trumpet war that happens actually before the great tribulation. But what you the, the other the other war you're referring to is the Gog and Magog war Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine, Revelation sixteen and nineteen, the battle of Armageddon. That actually could be what's happening at this point, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry that at this time frame. You're talking about right there when he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. Zechariah fights on behalf of Israel. So I I think what you're saying could be true, but, um, you know, just talking about two separate wars. So thank you, Betsy. I I, I hate to come to an end here. I wish we had like two or three hours to do this, but I want to say God bless you. God bless all the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy your weekend. And Doug, Vince, and I will see you back here on Monday. God bless.